Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey, feeling truly very grateful and so happy to introduce our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience to spiritual teacher Rohini Muradi, who is an Akashic Records specialist, a healer, and the creator of the Magic Incline community, a private community for people who want to connect with others, learn to access the Akasha, become an Akashic practitioner, and teach the art of the Akasha. Rohini will be speaking to us today from Nevada City, California. She is happily married to her husband, Luke, and they have three children, Pele, Rishi, who is on the other side, and Donovan. Rohini has trained thousands of students, leads large meditation events for corporations, and has extensive training in the metaphysical arts. She has studied meditation with many teachers, attained Reiki levels one and two attunement, and she has a yoga teaching training certification. She has also completed clairvoyance training, breathwork training, hypnotherapy training, and she is an accomplished Akashic Records practitioner and teacher. Rohini was born in Tehran, Iran, when her father ran the only Hindu temple in the city. During her formative years, her family traveled throughout India, devoted to the yogic life full of spiritual studies and meditation. But a massive religious military upheaval in Iran altered her life path. And after her father's temple was seized, her family fled to the United States in 1989 as refugees. This uprooting disrupted Rohini's connection to her higher self and evaporated many deep understandings from her childhood. Rohini navigated through adolescence and early adulthood by trying to fit in and numb the pain. A short stint in jail in her late 20s served as a wake-up call, and soon after, she stepped into her journey towards self-healing and rebirth. We'll learn much more about Rohini during our interview today, including her out-of-body experience when her daughter Rishi was delivered and the profound grief Rodini experienced when two-month-old Rishi passed away in her sleep. Losing her precious Rishi led Rohini to find the Akasha, healing, and greater self-knowledge. To say that this is going to be a fascinating and enlightening interview is an understatement. And in the spirit of full disclosure, I myself am currently healing some of my own Issues via the Akashic Records. Hey, Rohini, a warm, truly heartfelt welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. Thank you so much for the beautiful intro, Irene. It's my absolute honor to sit with you today. Thank you for having me. So wonderful. I mean, I so admire you. I've been following you for so long, and you're doing such great work helping people. And you're thank you. you know, <laughs> it's my honor. <laughs> So that's I help people get to know you better because you've got you. such an interesting story of your own aside from what you do. So please let's start by sharing your juicy journey from bartending <laughs> to owning a bartending school to becoming a spiritual teacher. That's a little bit of an unusual path. <laughs> it's a weird jump for sure. And to be honest, like I'm still doing that. I still own my bartending school while I'm- Are you really? Yeah, it's- it's, it's been enlightening for me, but the way that even <laughs> all happened was during my disconnect to self, um, I had to, 
I don't know, cope with the uncomfort of not having my soul like be in my body. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Like when your body is in pain, um, is depressed, is full of anxiety, like it's an uncomfortable uh, vessel for your soul to be in. So it's like your soul just kind of like expands out, you know, like hovers in a way. That's always happening to me. So I started self-medicating with alcohol. Um, (laughs) But also um, I started bartending, which was actually like really good for me because I got to view uh, what it's like to be seen under that type of medication. And it kind of activated a part of me that goes back to my lineage. Um, uh, One of my ancestors, uh, his name is Abu Siab, and he was the first physician who introduced the use of alcohol in medicine, which really changed medicine itself. And I didn't know this at the time, but I started looking at alcohol in that way. I'm like, okay, I'm watching people take these sugary drinks and just kind of um, harm themselves. I could watch them change. So I started putting more healthful ingredients in there and changing um, my concoctions, my potions, whatever you want to call it. You did it on the QT. No, they knew that because I'm like, I came up with a new cocktail. Try this, you know, like, and it'd be an herbal supplement, something great for your digestive system or for your mood, you know, or for your memory. So it's like these little medicines, like the way alcohol was intended. Um, And from there, before my husband and I got married, I realized that I didn't want to continue bartending. So I opened up this bartending school and taught these fundamentals to up and comers so that there is like a healthful aspect, something out there that's teaching people responsibility instead of just memorizing a whole bunch of drinks. So that's like where it came from. And <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And it kind of makes sense because today you have all these people also doing all kinds of herbal remedies. Yeah. And yeah. psychedelic remedies. So like it really yeah. makes a lot of sense. I feel like I had a tiny hand in that. Claiming <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> 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 it. <laughs> So I was doing that this whole time, but that depression, that weird feeling inside of not belonging, of not wanting to be a part of this world lingered, even through all this, like I just was giving and giving. So depleting myself more and more. And um, once my spiritual awakening, which I really think was the when my daughter was born, happened, um, my daughter, Pele, who's nine years old now, I started um, kind of coming back in my body, wanting to go back to that, uh, essence that I came to the world in. And I feel like she healed me in that way where she brought me back and I was watching her grow up and kind of watching myself grow up at the same time. I'm sure, you know, that feeling, you know, as a mother where you're like, wow, you are my greatest teacher and I'm learning and healing so much about myself. So through that, um, I realized I, wanted to step away from the libation industry and went through a whole journey of slowly coming back to myself. But it wasn't until the biggest blast, I guess, the biggest trauma that happened that forced me into it quickly. So that's how I went from a bartending school owner to a you're spiritual. Still right now, even though with everything you're doing, you're saying you're still, so what do you do now? That has well, I mean, I'm here. I'm hands off now, but I feel like it's, it was like an important contribution to our, our society in a way. And I have such wonderful people like helping me and working with me that like they're flourishing through it. And it's wonderful watching that and being a witness to their greatness. So it's off of my hands now, but it's still in existence and a part of my life. (laughs) Do you teach them? Like, do you have formulas with your libations and everything? Do you teach them and they take it away with wherever they're working and all? Is that how it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have great instructors now who do that for, you know, they've gone through the program and they have found that inner light. They found that confidence. So we're watching them present it now and watching that impact the ripple effect going out into the world. So it's really beautiful. It's fabulous. So when you're recommending people who can help people with the Akasha, you also have people who can help them with yeah. libations. Yeah. You're a truly multifaceted healer. I, I always say like I'm half in this world and half in, you know, I'm like, heart connection you know the portal my I'm I have one foot 
in this world, I'm not totally out of it. It's planted, it's grounded. And the other part of me is floating. So <laughs> say the least, you're never going to be boring. Conversation <laughs> <and> company. <laughs> so let's move from that to telling us about, telling us about your out-of-body experience during your daughter Rishi's birth, which brought you the insight of interconnectedness, which yeah. is, began to be part of your opening I'm sure and her tragic I'm so sorry her tragic passing when she was only two months old which brought about an incredible journey of healing for you thank you this this is where the implementation of the spiritual healing or spiritual awakening was really planted for me because I woke up I started being more aware I started coming back in my body but I had resistance a lot of resistance throughout this time and it wasn't until um, my daughter was, my daughter Rishi was born where it just like expanded more. And just, to, just a quick backstory to that too, oh. is a part of the, a part of the healing through my first daughter Pele and going back to my true essence, which I feel like a lot of mothers do and are confronted with. Um, I wanted to take Pele to where I grew up. I wanted to take her to Iran and it's really difficult for Americans to go to Iran. So we decided to take her to my second home, which was India. I spent half of my life in India and half of my life in Iran growing up. So we went to India and this is where the idea of Rishi came about. I had an astrological reading who um, told us about this person that may or may not come. And if they do, they're not going to be here very long. And that story is like too long. But um, this is where the thread started being pulled, you know. So we came back, we decided, okay, we're going to have a baby girl. Knowing you were told she wasn't going to be with you that long. We didn't really understand what any of that meant, to be honest with you. Because when you're in a reading, like he didn't say like, she's going to die or like anything like that. You know, he was just like, I see a faint line and this faint line looks like it may be a girl, but the line like doesn't go long. Like we don't, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know what that means. Wow. So I didn't know what that meant either. I just, what that did was wake up the desire to add to our family, which was dormant. Like it was non-existent prior to that. And we cried all night after the reading realized that's what we really wanted so we really called her in that night in Rishikesh and um, we came back and uh, decided to have, bring her to the world. Um, and um, yeah, the pregnancy was amazing, but I felt myself change inside where I started connecting with my lineage out of nowhere, you know, like going back to India and seeing that was your purpose, I guess, to bring this to you. Yeah. It was a bigger plan for you. She wanted to shake me awake. You know, she's like, Oh, we had a plan and you're not following through. (laughs) Like, but I don't want to wake up. (laughs) I'm comfortable being in my depressed state. That's when I, you know, I started taking the yoga certification classes and stuff like that. Just, I grew up doing yoga. I didn't really need to do that, but it just forced me to get back into it. You know, um, I should say yoga asana. And after she was born or and during, you also had an out of body experience during, I did. Her, yeah. What so was that about? It, we went to the hospital and the day she was due, cause in my head, I'm like, she's coming today. I started doing yoga breaths, um, before, um, I went into labor, just hoping like praying, going up and down the stairs constantly, you know, just come on, we're doing this today. (laughs) And after I, we were at my mother-in-law's house, after I got back inside, my water broke. And we're like, we are going today. Yes. (laughs) So we went to the hospital. (laughs) Yeah. We dropped my daughter off with my parents and um, we drove to the hospital. And as we're driving to the hospital, my contractions got really intense. Like every little bump was like really, it wasn't a gradual progression. It was very quick. So by the time we got in, I was like in a lot of pain. They're telling me I can walk around and, you know, kind of try to get comfortable, but I was in so much pain. Getting comfortable through that. (laughs) 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I did my best. <laughs> like, okay, it's going to be okay. But it was intense. And about maybe 20, 30 minutes, I don't know for sure. 20, 30 minutes in, I was laying in the bed just from a lot of pain. And I was kind of <laughs> begging the nurse, like, for some type of pain assistance at that point. She's like, let's just wait. Let's just wait until you're dilated more, you know, just give it a moment. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Cause that's what I really wanted. I just wanted, <laughs> I wanted that. But in the moment you like lose yeah, sight. I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, okay. And as soon as she's like calming me down, she's like, just wait a little bit. My mother, father, my mother and my mother-in-law walk into the door. And as soon as they walked in, like something happened where, I stopped being able to breathe and I was trying to say hi to them and I couldn't breathe and like air wasn't coming out. And Luke looked at me and was like, there's something wrong. And then like the nurse was sitting by the um, dials and everything. And she's like, oh my gosh, my heart rate had dropped way below where they're comfortable with. And so did Rishi's. So her face just dropped from like being happy. We're going to welcome a baby to holy moly, this is like, this is an emergency. So as soon as my mom walked in, she had to like watch me get rushed into um, emergency C-section. They wouldn't let Luke in. They wouldn't let anybody in, but I couldn't breathe. And I probably didn't breathe for like a few minutes. I was conscious, but it was like fading away. And um, as this is happening, the nurses are yelling at me to like move from the bed. They rolled me in to the other bed for like emergency C-section. I couldn't move my body. It felt like heavy and lifeless. And that's when I feel like I was not in my body anymore. I was, I didn't even realize because it was a very stressful situation, but I remember just like seeing myself laying there and like not able to lift up and move. And they're like trying to move me and like my body's like, like it's, I'm not in it. And while I was up there, it was kind of like a way of you protecting. Left, the pain must have left when you got up there, right? Yeah, I didn't feel pain. anything. Yeah, I didn't feel anything. Um, but it was just, yeah, it, it was the most real thing because all the stress that was with me, the pain that was with me, like kind of went away. And I was just looking at myself like with so much love. And I'm just like, oh, you are, you're, oh. I love you. And then I looked around, I'm like, I love everybody. I just love every, like the, these feelings. And it wasn't a thought. It wasn't like, I'm thinking, I love you. It was like this knowing of, I love you. I don't know how else to describe it. That you were part of the universal stream. Yeah. It felt like, you know, when uh, thunder or lightning hits, there's like the point, And then you see it all spread out. It felt like I was the top point And I was like, all spread out. Like we were all the same thing. Um, and eventually like I was in my body and like totally surreal. This isn't the span of 15 minutes, but wow. it felt like a really, really long time. They couldn't find an anesthesiologist. Um, so they're just yelling, they're on the phone. And like, there's all this stuff happening. And I'm like, Oh, like back in my body <laughs> at this point I'm back in my body just like so in love and so happy where there's just like chaos like going on around me Luke's not in it yet he's like standing outside the door like freaking out like is my wife going to die like what's happening right now um and I'm just like ah <laughs> <laughs> laying there <laughs> finally the, you know then an just comes and uh Rishi's born and Luke's inside at this point too and she touches my heart and I'm just like it's you're here you you've come but it was like I have known her for so long and of course I had I, she was in my belly but it was a different kind of I've known her it was like, you're, like you're finally soul. here yeah <laughs> and it was lovely I remember one of the funniest things though was uh, when we were in the recovery section I was still in that state of like Ah, we're all so connected, you know, <laughs> feeling where Luke's holding Rishi and then she's like passing stuff coming out of her body because they didn't put a diaper on her. And he's like, oh, my God. I'm like, it's OK. We're all connected. It's OK. <laughs> and he's like, what kind of drugs did they give you? I'm like this happened before the drugs, actually. <laughs> 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. So now that's such a happy story and an interesting story. And then two months later, you have this incredible tragedy. Yeah. But in a way you were given a heads up. It kind of reminds me about my story about how I was told Saul has to go. Yeah. Many lessons will be learned by his death. What is this about? Right. So now you, you get the, you get the message. She's going to be born, but not a long life. And all of a sudden, two months later, yeah, tell everyone about that and how the process of accepting the tremendous traumatic grief started to lead you to healing and greater self-knowledge. Thank you. Well, I feel just like you had a premonition. The events were sort of a premonition as well, like with her birth, losing her breath and throughout her you know, two months of life, she lost her breath often where one time I was just holding her and she stopped breathing and I had to like shake her be like, hello, like what happened? It was terrifying. Um, but you know, the doctors are like, don't worry. They just, you know, it's not a big deal. Just it's normal. Like, okay. It didn't seem normal to me. (laughs) It seemed kind of weird and scary. Yeah. I would say, but eventually she stopped breathing when I wasn't awake or able to help her. And um, yeah, that was like the worst day of my life. And that was probably like, yeah, that was the worst day of my life. And during Absolutely, my God. that time um, when she, they finally pronounced that she's not going to come back, um, there was like this small hope though, where I was like bargaining with the universe. I was going back to the prayers I used to say as a child, I'm like, just give me this. And they're like, no, it's just, it doesn't work that way, you know? And uh, once they pronounced that she's definitely not coming back, I left my body again. And I was, cause the pain, and I was above watching myself like on the hospital floor crying. And um, went, I don't know, our friend picked us up and we went back to the house and tried to be normal, but there's no way. Like we had, when you, when a small child passes away like that too, um, you have all these different agencies coming to your house and interviewing you. So it was a full day of that and investigate investigation and things like that. And um, it, yeah, the, the grief, I can't even tell you, like, um, I mean, I, you probably know actually, <laughs> was tremendous to the point where I wasn't in my body again. Like I was, I don't know where I was, but two weeks passed where I don't remember anything. I just, I think I cried for two weeks, barely ate. My uh, friends and family tried to feed me a few times, but it barely happened. But one thing I do remember is um, the first day after she passed, I was sitting on my couch and we had lots, we were so lucky to have so many friends and family come and sit with us. I remember thinking we have to go back to Rishikesh. We, that's where we have to go and surrender her ashes. So that day I booked tickets and um, a lot of our friends and family came with us as well. And that's when the actual healing and acceptance. Now this grief. is where you were going back to where? Was this in India? Or- yeah, sorry. <laughs> Rishikesh, India, which the, the conception of her um, came to where, be. The, right, where you had the reading that said that. Yeah. The thought conception of her, I should say it that way. It was the conception didn't happen there. Right. But <laughs> you got the premonition where you got the heads up. Yeah, exactly. So we all went. Um, and during that trip is when the healing started. Before we went, there was this beautiful full moon about um, nine days after, no, 20, yeah, nine days after she passed, where we prayed and we said, like, it's maybe a moon spell. Who knows what it was? But we didn't know what we were doing. We, we were just like driven to like talk to her that night. We asked her, to show us that she's okay. We just want to open up communication somehow. We're worried about her. Just let us know you're okay. And that same night um, was when the real actual magic behind it started happening. And it really, there's one thing that a friend of mine told me about her um, father passing is 
she was her brother was able to have communication with her father after he passed and she said um that her father kept trying to go to the mother to give her messages that he's okay but she the mother wasn't too pain too much pain to really be able to perceive her so it reminds me um of my situation too where when you're in that much pain and when you're in that much grief, it's really hard to communicate with something um, that's subtle, right? So that's what was happening to me. And, and that's why this full moon begging, let's call it, really came into play because that night um, a woman I don't know started having dreams about our family and bringing us messages because we were in too much pain. Now, to this have- was a woman who was in this, this community? No, or she so, was someone else in your life from some other. Yeah, so this woman is my husband's sister's husband's coworker. Wow, very far removed. Had no idea about this person, and you know she heard about Rishi's passing, but that's all she knew. She's just very connected. Where she's a conduit, like the magic came through to her because she was the closest connection who could actually. Give us these because she wasn't as emotionally involved. She wasn't emotionally involved. So she had a the first dream that night. <clears throat> and they didn't really tell us about this dream. We went to India and it was Mother's Day where I received word of this first dream and the second dream. And I do have to tell you, before we left, we saw a healer who told us that there's going to be messages coming for us, but don't trust them until unless they come in threes. So we got two messages in one night. We're like, okay, don't trust it. We didn't get the third one. So it can't be real, even though it was like, it was very on point. It was about exactly where we lived in San Francisco. It was about exactly the night we asked for Rishi to communicate with us. She described our backyard, our house, and the block we lived in. She didn't know where we lived at this time to a T. And um, also she went to India in that first dream where we were headed and she had no idea we were going there. And then the second dream was of us where we were in India and <laughs> exactly wow. yeah, what we need to do there. And we started doing all the things because when we received the second message, we were already in India. So we started doing all the things that she saw us doing. And the third dream was about how to heal ourselves. So there was and- a dream. There was a third dream. <laughs> there was a third dream. It happened maybe a week after Mother's Day. And how were you told to heal yourself? What was that dream about? We were told to really write our questions um, down and write everything we want to ask Rishi down and to bring it to her ceremony, which was happening at the Ganges. We offered her ashes to the Ganges in this like beautiful ceremony, very um sacred and like ancient ceremony where all our friends and family sat dressed in all white at the foot of the Ganges in uh, Rishikesh where we had the astrology reading actually the hotel let us do it there and um, to bring our questions we brought our questions and the morning after the ceremony right when the light comes when the first beam of sunlight we're supposed to go in the Ganges river where the two sisters meet. And we are like, what does that where mean? The two sisters meet. Yeah. So huh. the Ganges like spreads and then like comes and like connects again. We were right there where the two sisters meet, which is crazy. She had no idea about any of this. This is just the message she's giving us. And it's coming through from this, um, Hindu sage named Ananda Mahima, whom I had no idea about, and she had no idea about at the time. But the more I'm learning about her, like she's magnificent, like very enlightened being. But Ananda Mahima was giving us the directions to do this. So right when the light, first glimmer of sunlight came the day after the ceremony, we went to the Ganges and we cleansed ourselves in like the freezing cold water. And as the dream said, this is, this is um, something that's very common there. It's like a rebirth kind of thing. Everyone's going to be doing it. And we went there, it was like packed at 4am. Wow. 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 (laughs) Amazing. 
did it. And, um, and as I'm learning, you know, that cold water does something for your nervous system, you know, and there's like a science behind it too. But at the time, the spiritual aspect of it was really, really beautiful. That's when the healing started. That's when I allowed myself to be healed. In what way? How did that feel? What, what did you experience? Um, loss, really. Uh, I let myself feel the loss. I was back I in my body. Yeah, I was back in my body. And I was like, I'm just going to be in pain for a while. And that's okay. Just come back. You don't have to hide. Feel it through so that you don't hold on to it. Like, don't let it follow you. Don't let it define you, even though it, it has defined me now. But I'm, I'm working every day to not attach myself to that moment but to accept that moment and to accept everything that's come with it. And um, yeah, I don't know. One of the hardest things to hear is after um, we were in Rishikesh and right before the ceremony, we saw the same astrologer who said, you have to stop calling her and you have to let her soul go through what it needs to, because she's on this journey and it's, she's not yours. She's not just because you brought her to the world doesn't mean she's yours. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. That's a very profound message for people also, because I think that um, a lot of people consider their children, they're theirs, but they're really not. We are conduits for these beautiful souls who are on their own journeys. Absolutely. And, you know, they come with their own personality. They come <laughs> and their own agendas. And yeah, they do. It's like, she wasn't mine. She just came to like, wake me up. And I've learned a lot about our relationship through the Akashic records. But I think the most um, valuable thing I took from all of it is the act of surrender. And when I say surrender, I don't mean like giving up and just like, whatever, just let whatever happen to me. Surrender means opening myself to a greater energy that knows more than I do in my physical body. So I've surrendered to the openness of possibilities. And I think that was the most healing thing. And also in, in conjunction with that, to accept that while it is our job to heal and confront these things that come up in our life, it doesn't mean that we are not whole in the healing process. Like we are already whole the way we are, even with all of our trauma, with all of our grief, with all of our pain, we are the most perfect being in this moment with all of that, you know? So it was a, yeah, it was healing. But we come here to become even more enlightened, <laughs> right? So when yeah. we go through these things, we're already a perfect soul, but we're becoming more enlightened. We're growing yeah. through the experiences that we have, right? Absolutely. We're absolutely going, growing through the experiences we have, but we don't need to force it is like the whole point of that. You know, I feel like some people come here and they're like, I am enlightened. It's like, no, an, an enlightened person wouldn't say they're enlightened, first that of all. True. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a red flag for me. Um, <laughs> but it's knowing that it just happens naturally. It's nothing we have to force and like make happen, you know, or our soul and our body are intelligent on their own and they don't need our ego to inflict these ideas upon them. And we have our team and they're working with us. Yeah. So that speaking of our team working with us, <laughs> how did this journey lead you to the greatest team in the world that works with us, the Akashic records? So tell us about how this started that journey for you. <laughs> well, I started again to meditate a lot after Rishi passed. Um, Meditation was a part of my practice since childhood. And I kind of let go of that maybe around 25, 26. And um, I started going back to it. And one day in meditation, as I was like, um, you know, connecting with my energy centers and seeing what's going on inside. When I got to my heart, I asked um, to be healed. <laughs> or to show me the path to be healed. And I didn't ask it in those words, but I asked for help. I think it's the best way of putting it. And um, after that point on, I started seeing the words Akashic records. Um, they started popping up everywhere. 
and everywhere, meaning like social media and stuff. At this time, I do have to tell you, like, I was not following anybody. I didn't want to see pictures of people being happy. Um, I didn't want to see anything. I was very sad. Um, I had zero people that I was following at the time. So the fact that these words were even popping up was kind of a big deal because I wasn't in a spiritual community. I wasn't doing any of that. And as they popped up, I, you know, first was really like, it was familiar. The energy of it was familiar to me. Oh, right. But yeah. And I, um, I knew, but I didn't know, you know, <laughs> I put them well, away you know before, but now you're supposed to know. I'm supposed to remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to remember. So I put them away. I'm like, it's too much. I'm going through a lot right now. Thanks a lot, universe. That's the universe or whatever energy is like, that's what you asked for. <laughs> you said you're ready. And I'm like, no, no, no. Just ignored it. And finally, it was like brewing inside. The curiosity got the best of me. And I started Googling, which is sometimes the worst thing you can do in these times because so much weird information popped up and uh, some of it was similar. Some of it was different. So it was confusing. I started taking as many classes I could to, to understand what it is. I started um, practicing with different prayers or whatever, and it just didn't resonate with me or feel comfortable still. And it wasn't until I threw all of that out of the window and I sat in stillness with myself and started asking these questions where it was revealed, like the true meaning of what the Akasha and the Akashic records is. So for everyone who's saying, what are the, what are these Akashic records? Please um, describe what they are or explain what they are. What life issues can they address and how do they guide us regarding life's toughest questions and decisions? Which I have to say, I have gotten a lot of help from the Akasha <laughs> So explain to everyone what they are. And also, um, while you're explaining it, I guess you could start to explain what these beings of light are. And, and it's the information we get, not only from these beings of light, but they, do they include our deceased loved ones? I mean, how does all that work? Yeah, absolutely. Before I start explaining, I do want to give a little disclaimer. Um, No one in this physical body will truly understand the significance of the Akasha or the Akashic records, but we do our best to explain as we perceive it. And um, for me, I understand the Akasha to be the fabric of life. If we think about it um, scientifically or in, in... the language of quantum physics, uh, everything is made out of energy and energy doesn't die. It just keeps expanding and replicating and expanding and replicating. And through uh, these little energy particles of the universe where expansion happens, there are vibrational frequencies that also coincide within it. And these vibrational frequencies, you can think of as, as sort of like a record where you can record different sounds, events, situations within the energy that's expanding. So simply put, um, everything that happens through our emotions, through our life, we are emitting vibrational frequencies out that attach themselves to our energy that is in constant as expansion. A as a soul. As a soul, yeah. And our soul is in constant expansion. Our soul's... Um, gone through a lot we're we're a lot more than this body as you know right and um if we're talking about i have a different way of explaining light beings and um the people who have passed guiding us as well and the way i have started to see it and again disclaimer everyone has their own idea and that's fine um our soul is a small fragment of a bigger energy and bigger being. Let's say all of our souls as humans put together make up the soul of the earth. The soul of the planets in our um, uh, like universe make the, um, not universe, in our planetary system make the soul of the um, 
galaxy that we're in and so on and so forth right so every every little being is really connected to like a bigger source right and this bigger source comes down and as it spreads out it connects like different aspects of ourself um and this is what we call the higher self the higher self which is like the ultimate being of us the so wait the higher self is our soul our master soul and then when we take shape and when we come down into these different lifetimes for experience that's like a sliver of our yep. self right yeah so there's yep. Our, our um that's the biggest yeah our big center we're yeah. still we're still there but this is a piece of us it's a piece of here, us right it's a small piece of us and these light beings are just like also a piece of us just in in an expanded state so it's just like funnels. So the and light funnels are a piece of us. They're not independent energetic beings. They're like a part of us also. Yeah, we're all oh, a part of. Well, that's the oneness if we really think about it. And how if we if there is oneness and then it connects into like this um condensed version of energy. And then this condensed version of energy is also similar to another energy that connects to another piece. So that's the oneness where everything ultimately is connected and the higher self if you really think about it and re, you really go down how everything is connected um, energetically through the universe, the higher self for us isn't individualized. It's a part of the same oh, it's part of the whole collective. Yeah, exactly. And this is how like our loved ones who have passed are a part of it as well. They're a part of the same collective. We're all a part of, we can, we have, and this is where it gets like very woo with me but we have access to all of these little particles of energy that have ever existed and and like the way the part of particles of energy come into existence is that sliver of coming down into the you into this planet incarnating but still having a part of our energy as a part of that bigger source if that makes sense I know if I'm describing it very well but <laughs> It's all one big thing you broken know, down I, into little I, things. You know, I picture that like when you have a spaceship and it's taking off to the sky, you know, to the moon or Mars or whatever, you've got the big command central. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the spaceship is going to do their job. Well, we have, yep. have a big command central. Yes. Where the little <laughs> where the spaceship in the yeah. sky. Would you and say I, that's that's a great way of explaining it. I love it. And you know, all these tiny little spaceships have their own experiences that they go on. But one spaceship could radio in to the other spaceship and get information. And that's kind of what we're doing within the Akasha, the fabric of life. And the Akashic record really is the actual information that's been um, recorded through vibrational frequency. So when you say there, it's the information has been recorded, but they also can predict our future. They also can help us with that, right? Yeah. And I want to know, so so you work with an Akashic Record practitioner mm-hmm. and they tell you about this future you're getting. You say, I don't like that. <laughs> I want that to change. Can that, so we have choice. Does that, can you yeah. work with that also? Absolutely. Everything is in constant change. This moment is in constant change. And in this moment, I can decide to give one answer or another answer. And these two answers will create a different future for both of us, right? Or just me. And that, that's where the power comes in. in. Within the Akasha, the fabric of life, it's not a linear timeline where where time doesn't go in a straight line, it goes in layers and layers and layers and layers. So my baby self and me right now are living at the exact same time, if that makes sense. Um, and our my I future- love this. I love this explanation because for <laughs> those of us who run late a lot, I say I like to think time is really not that important. This is an illusion. <laughs> it's definitely an illusion. It's definitely an illusion. Yeah. Like if you're, if I'm living right now, that means my future self is living right now. And the way my future self is living right now is based on what I'm doing in this exact moment. So this is how we can create change. So if when you get an Akashic reading and someone says, I see this in your future, it's based on the exact thing and the way you are living in this very moment. So if you don't want that outcome, you have this very moment. 
you have it. And this, the most precious thing in the world, really, it's like more valuable than gold or any money. Um, you have the chance to change exactly what you're doing right now. And I know there are societal and social constructs around that, but on a fundamental level, like a very small, tiny in this moment way, you have the power, right? You like, I can decide to go walk right now or to go sleep right now if I wanted to. Or and that, with your yeah, right I could just hang voice. up and leave yeah. or I can like, <laughs> And that would change my future. Right. Right? <laughs> That's interesting. That is so great. So now also the Akashic also helps people. They can even, because of the current vibration, it can even help them with business decisions and all, right? Anything, anything, anything. in life. Anything in life is vibrating on a vibrational frequency. Your business is an idea. And that idea is vibrating on a vibrational frequency. So once you come up with these ideas, once you put things out into the universe, they're a little part of you, but they become their own entity. So you can go into the vibrational frequency of that thought or idea and see where that could lead you as well. You can ask questions based on that. Let's say I, my bartending business, I'm like, how do I, how can I serve people in a better way with this idea of vibrational frequency that has a life on its own? I'm not even involved in it anymore. How can I call it mine? It's not really mine. It's an idea that got thrown out to the world. And now it's like becoming its own thing. Right. The same way. Life of its own. <laughs> yeah. So we, <laughs> we can see, we can um, access the frequencies, the fabric of that being energetic being and see where we could take it. It's, it's pretty beautiful and cool. It's very cool. It's and that's what... Really, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but that's what really determines our connectedness too to every single being frequency that is around us. Like me and like these glasses and me are not different. I <laughs> I put a lot of energy into them, but they vibrate on their own and they have their own stories to tell when I'm not around. <laughs> and that's true because they say everything has an energy, even a rock yeah. or whatever we're looking at. They, they all have energy. Yeah. So it's not going to surprise anyone after listening to you to know that your purpose in life, Miss Rohini, is to empower others to find their own inner light by introducing them to their own magic. So please define this magic for all of us. I love this question. Thank you so much, Irene. And one of um, the best ways I can define personal magic is going back to that big idea of the source energy, this big one energy that we're all a part of, right? And it gets broken down. And as it gets broken down and separates, it becomes these energies become different. And those energies get broken down and become different. We are a tiny little pinpoint of all that. And we are so different. There's no one else like us. But society, marketing, capitalism has taught us to try to be like each other and everybody around us, which really dims that specialness that we have. That's why we get depressed. That's why we get anxious. That's why we get sad about our lives is because we're not able to be ourselves in this society. And the only reason I know this is because I went through it and it was painful. I had to beg the universe and like apologize for ever not wanting to be in my body and like really declare like I am ready to live I want to live I want this to happen and in that the realization that I was dimming myself came to the forefront and it made me realize like how many people are going through the same exact thing so the only purpose I have is to keep connecting with myself and therefore show people that they can be brave enough um, to do the same, that unique being, you know, my father said something to me that has stayed in a loop in my mind that I will never get rid of. I get a rid of a lot of loops, but this one is going to be with me forever. I went through like the funniest phase in high school. I'm an Iranian woman who grew up as a Hindu, like, <laughs> unlike a lot of, a lot of people in the world, you know, and um, I wanted so desperately to fit in as we all do in high school. So I was like, how can I fit in? I started looking to like idols and be like, who can I be like to make people like me? And 
I decided to dye my hair blonde and try to go for Marilyn Monroe of all people, (laughs) a high school kid. And my dad was just like, what is she doing? He sat me down one day and he's like, Hey, Rohini, you look beautiful and all. And like, you're, you know, I'm glad you're experimenting with yourself, but Marilyn Monroe already existed. And I'm like, okay. He's like, well, who's going to be Rohini Marathi if you're going to be somebody else? And I'm like, oh, I never thought about it that way. That's beautiful. It's the essence of that. That's my purpose to, to pass that, that message. And you know why that's made, why it's made you such an obvious role model for authenticity. And that's what's so admirable <laughs> about it. You're encouraging people and you're sending an example of being your true self. Thank you. I'm Not trying. Without, without all the layers. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, you. so this is leading me to ask you, and I love that from your father. I think that's beautiful. I think mm-hmm. every father should say that to his daughter <laughs> or his son. That's beautiful. Uh, and I'm going to remember that for my grandsons. Uh, <laughs> please tell us about this magic inclined community you created, your virtual Akashic workshops, and how you teach potential Akashic re- readers to become practitioners. The Akasha, you've got this whole gig going on with this whole thing. I went hard. (laughs) I went hard. You know, at first I thought, and I'm following along. I I don't know if you've had the same experience within the Akasha where it's like you get a little glimpse of what you're supposed to do and you go and you do it and you, you think that's it. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. But it's just like little breadcrumbs at a time that I'm like picking up. And eating. And um, initially, we two breadcrumbs talking to each other right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At first, I, you know, I was told I'm supposed to do readings. And I'm like, okay, I'll do readings. Yay. So I did that for a while. And then they're like, you're not supposed to do readings. And I'm like, what? But you told me to do I built my whole life around this. So from there, um, they wanted me to experience they, I, higher self, whatever you may call it, you know, uh, wanted me to experience what it's like to have that interaction, but also to realize how real this is, you know, because when you tell somebody, oh, you can access your past lives, your future self, you can read the Akashic records of a business, like all that stuff. People are like, okay, she's got a little nutbag, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a therapist would help you. And I have gone to a therapist, okay? (laughs) How was she about that? Or he? Well, like, she was very supportive, actually. She still is. Like, she's like, wow, yeah, you found your path. I'm like, I did it. I'm just following the breadcrumbs. (laughs) She was an enlightened, good therapist. Yeah, yeah. She understands energy, which is really cool. And I didn't even search for that. It was just something that happened. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty cool. But um, so after that, they're like, now, you know, the ripple effect with every reading now teach people how to do it for themselves. So, you know, um, now I teach the passport to the Akasha, which is the whole process is going inward. It's going inward, getting acquainted with your energy centers, not opening them, not anything like that, just becoming acquainted with who you are in this moment and what you're holding and how to decide what you want to hold and what to get rid of. So the passport to the Akasha, before you even attempt, I always say, get familiar with who your soul is and who you truly are. So we go through that. Um, and then from there, so you have seminars and workshops to help people learn about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. We do that um, in the private community, but Passport to the Akasha is a self-paced program where people can do it at any time and day. And, you know, and they can join us in the private community during our weekly meetings to ask questions and, you know, get there. So- so you teach people to become practitioners to help people but Mm -hmm. you also teach people to be able to help themselves if they don't go through practice yeah I really think that's the most important thing and I know in the beginning sometimes people are very anxious and um, really wanting to connect with their soul maybe they don't have the time they don't have the confidence to think that they can do it for themselves Um, so practitioners are also very important because Each individual holds a certain piece to a puzzle that we may not have access to. I mean, we do, but (laughs) 
two re- there are no two similar readings is what I'm trying to say. What what but when we do get into our personal space, we're able to see more than a practitioner can. And that's the whole purpose of doing that work. Now I'm gonna ask you in a little while um, to tell us all the ways that people in our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience can connect with you. So if they are looking for a specific Akashic record practitioner that they'd like to work with, can you help them with that, refer them to people who you've trained and all? Yeah, absolutely. The Magic Inclined community is filled with graduates who are constantly practicing on members um, when they ask or each other. So they're always waiting um, for anyone who's seeking a reading. And they're amazing. They're amazing. They've done the work. And it's not easy. It's not easy to go through that inner work. It's like a lot of heavy lifting. And they've done that heavy lifting. They've practiced for hours and hours. And they're just beautiful souls who are here to bring everybody up. That's wonderful. Light workers. All of yeah. Us. So tell us about, because you have such wisdom about this. Tell us about your wisdom about believing in yourself, thinking outside the box, which you absolutely never do, and finding a support system. <laughs> these are like, these are huge because so many people are afraid to think outside that box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can only speak on my experience and Thank you for saying I have wisdom, but I don't. It's just a lot of <laughs> trial and error. <laughs> well, that creates wisdom, though. Thank you. you know? <laughs> it didn't work, but this did. I'm like, I really don't know anything, but here's what's worked for me. <laughs> I find that um, in the beginning, like uh, finding silence and solitude is really helpful. And once we find that just a little bit and get familiar with our inner world, then it's time to connect with the outer world so that we can easily discern what's for us and what's not for us. And connecting with people is magic. We're supposed to be connected. We're already connected. When we leave these bodies, we're so connected. We're just having these individualized experiences. But to connect with the community that gets you um, is magic. That's when our life changes. That's That's magic. Yeah, that's when we grow, really, because we get to see ourselves through other people. And as you know, like we attract what we are, really. So you don't even have to go like really searching for specific people. You will come together and just know that you will. Just the first step is to be easy on yourself, you know, give yourself a pat on the back and come through and done so much already. I mean, just look at the world in the last two years or in general, like you've done so much. You're amazing. Great job. You're here. Just love yourself for it. Congratulate yourself. And I think that's the first step. You know, the other part I think that the Akasha gives you permission to do is to uh, not buy into people who are toxic to understand and discern, which leads me to another fabulous question, which, uh, which um, by not buying into those people who are toxic to us, because society says you're supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. have a connection with this person, because you're somehow related to them or whatever. And it gives you permission to know this is not your, your person to your highest good. So I know that you caution people not to fall for snake oil sales <laughs> in the spiritual community. I love this because I've experienced it too. And so let's hear what you have to say about that. Thank you. I've unfortunately experienced it one too many times, which mm-hmm. I'm sad to admit. So have I. <laughs> but they're <laughs> out there, you know, and honestly, it all comes down to confidence, like their level of confidence too, not really connecting with who they are and us believing them because we're not believing who we are. And we think we have to go outside of ourselves. So the, the one piece of advice I can give you that I wish I had, and I didn't have to go through so much unnecessary trauma, which really delays healing. When you run into these people who suck the soul out of you, like it delays your healing so much. Maybe, maybe like it helps you expand in the future, but it just, it's a nuance, you know? And um, the one thing I can give you to help you is anyone out there taking you outside of your beliefs and into their beliefs is someone to be aware of. 
real spiritual teachers, real gurus, whatever you want to call them, will bring you closer to yourself. And that's it. You are ultimately the person who should be in the driver's seat. So if anyone's taking you out of that driver's seat and saying, don't believe that, believe me, be aware. <laughs> and they're probably lining their pockets in some way. Oh, so. yes. They are. And, and the other thing I always say to people is beware if they tell you there's a curse on your head and give them $500 Ugh. away, right? That's happened to me. I went to a psychic who said, your lineage is cursed. If you buy this $500 crystal, the curse will be lifted. And I'm like, I really contemplated. I'm like, is this real? Because like, you're like, I'm in that always questioning state. And I almost like paid $500 for a crystal to heal my lineage. But guess what? The Akashic records are free and you don't need (laughs) to pay $500 to go searching in your lineage to see what's holding, holding you down. (laughs) I would submit that anyone who uh, you have a reading with or whatever, and instills fear in you that for you, it's, this is not about fear. This is about love. And yeah. empowerment and, yeah. and all of that. So anyone who says uh, you have to be afraid because this happened or you're doomed or you're cursed or da 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 get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> Run. Bye. So now that everyone's uh, so now that everybody turns your wisdom and they're like me in love with you, tell us how we contact you, Rohini. How are all the ways? that the members of our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience can contact you. Thank you. You're so such much. a great healing it. source. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I'm humbled. But the main way to contact me is very easy. Just magicincline.com. You can find everything there. My podcast is there, the community, everything. So hope to see you there. <laughs> yeah, and we will be listing, putting down all these links and all when this um, podcast is aired. And another question I have is, Rohini, what do you mean when you speak of peace beyond understanding? And what is your message about the importance of healing in the current lifetime that we're in that you'd like to share? Why should people sitting in their earth suits now consider healing their issues and not having to come back again? Yeah. With the same issues, probably. Tell us about that. Why is it important to do your work now? Well, to answer your first question, peace beyond healing is, um, or beyond understanding is the idea of surrender that I spoke of and not to give up or surrender into anything, but to just open up to the divine expression that you truly are. And the reason that this is important or healing is important in general is because we are vibrational frequencies and as science shows, like vibrational frequencies of the same kind keep attracting um, each other, right? So if we are going through a lifetime of trauma without confronting any of our emotions and processing it, it's very likely that that vibrational frequency will be attracted to a similar situation in the next lifetime. So once we start really looking inward and going through the pain that we've been holding on to, this pattern will repeat and repeat and repeat and manifest itself in suffering and in pain and ailments. So that's why it's so important. And it's really difficult to open up to that type of pain. Sometimes I'm not saying you need to be in pain constantly, but if you're holding on to pain, processing it is important. And that's how and, and removing it. So it's not blocking you and it doesn't repeat in yeah. life comes to come, which yeah. is in essence, the mission of this podcast is to give people these healing choices so that they do not have to experience this yep. negative karma or whatever it is. And what is the Rohini tip for finding joy in life? I think finding joy in life is comes, this is going to be cheesy. I'm really sorry, but <laughs> this, uh, this podcast, you can be as cheesy as you like. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most important thing for me personally has been um, finding gratitude in the moments, whether it's pain or not pain, just being in the moment and realizing that it's just a momentary 
um, momentary occurrence, you know? So flip. Yeah. And it, it does bring joy. Like now, like when (laughs) something horrible happens, not horrible, but like, let's say I fall down, like I'm able to laugh at myself instead of feel embarrassed, like things like that, that brings joy, right? Just being able to giggle through whatever it is that's presented. And it's, um, it's that acceptance of not having control in to our, in our environment. I don't know. That's a huge one. Not needing. I think that's part of our soul growth is to learn that you don't need to control everything. No. All you can control is this. Suffering and, this. and control go hand in hand. We <laughs> need to control ourselves or need to control others. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yay. So true. Rohini, your mission, which is to remind people of their true power when they believe in themselves and trust their gut and your purpose in life, which is to keep your inner light as bright as possible so that others will have the courage to do the same, combined to keep you shining as a beacon to others. Thank you from my heart for this insights-filled interview that has surely helped people appreciate the enlightenment and healing available to them via the Akashic Records, in addition to the importance of staying authentic, trusting their gut, shining their inner light, and supporting others on their healing journeys. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes in all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And be sure to follow us and like us on social at at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and especially on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and hit notify to make sure you'll get the inspiring new interviews like this one with Rohini coming your way. Thank you so much. And as I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. (laughs) 